Okay, uh, so we're continuing uh, in our series street called Disciplines, How to Train Ourselves Up in Godliness. So this is a series where we're just looking at different spiritual disciplines, different ways for us to grow in our relationship with Christ. So we've already looked at Bible intake, we've already looked at prayer, and so tonight we're going to look, uh, look at worship. We're going to look at worship. What does it mean to worship? How do we worship? How do we practically apply that to our lives? Uh, so let me ask you this as we start, um, just for you personally, just to get feedback from y'all. When you think of the word worship, what do you think of? So when you hear the word worship, what is like images or words or just thoughts you have that come to mind immediately? People sing at church. Okay. Anything else? Okay. Yeah, uh, worship is our response, the revelation of God. Any other thoughts or images that people that you have when it comes to worship? Giving your soul attention to something. I like that. Some people might even say, okay, um, you're going to gather at a specific time on a specific day and just pour your heart out. Of whatever that is. Would some people agree that might be what worship is? You might even dress up for the occasion. So I want to know the difference then. Then, then technically if we go by that definition, this would technically be considered worship. People gathering at a specific time, at a specific place, and they're pouring their hearts out, cheering on their team on a Sunday. Or what about this? That people are gathering at Bridgestone Arena to cheer on the Predators. They're pouring their hearts out. They're dressing up for the occasion. Or on Saturdays, SEC football is huge in the South. And so, yes, I picked Alabama because I know that would get more people's attention. Because why? Because people get very passionate about that. But again, they gather on Saturdays, and they will, I mean, they will pour their hearts out until they have no voice. Or even more locally for us, on Fridays, is people gather and go cheer on the Oakland Patriots. And they will pour their hearts out during the line. Especially if they're playing a rival, they will pour their hearts out. They will dress up. They will get into it. How'd you get that picture? Because I found it online. <laughs> the internet. The internet's a great thing. And so worship involves a lot more than just singing on a Sunday morning. And that's what I want us to look at tonight is how worship's a lot more than that. Like we, we worship whatever we find most important. Okay, so so for us, it could be God. It could be sports. It could be, let's say, our self-image that we have on social media is that we want to see tonight that worship is so much more than just singing a song, let's say, at a designated time on Sunday or singing tonight. But it's a lifestyle that just we get to live out as an overflow of our hearts because of Jesus. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pray and then we're just going to jump in. Uh, We're just going to jump into just studying what is worship. So let's pray real quick. Lord, uh, we pray for tonight. We just thank you uh, that we get to worship you. We thank you for Christ. He's the only reason we get to worship. And so we pray as we study scripture, would you help us focus more on him? Help him be just the sole focus of our lives. And as we focus more on him, help us become more like him and just naturally overflowing out of that. We live like him and we worship him with everything we think, say, and do. So would you help me just being able to properly teach all of these truths? And would you help all of us in here receive these truths, apply these truths to our lives, and help us become more of the followers of Christ you've called us to be, more of the family of God you've called us to be. 
and help us ultimately to make Christ's name known. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we're going to look at is what is worship? And so I want to start in Matthew 4.10. This, uh, this is when Satan is trying to tempt Jesus. And then Jesus says, no, you shall worship the Lord your God. And then even in Psalm 95 verse 6 says, let us come and bow down and worship the Lord together. So we clearly see that God expects us to worship. And so it is actually our purpose. In fact, a catechism, so catechism is just like question and answering of just beliefs that some people have. And so in the Westminster Catechism, the very first question, it just says, what is the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. As Aaron just prayed, we were designed to be worshipers. We were created to be worshipers. Whether we think it or not, we are constantly worshiping someone or something. We're constantly worshiping whatever we find most important in our lives. So if we find God most important, then we're going to worship him what we think, say, and do, how we dress, how we talk, how we act. If we are worshiping a relationship more than anything else, whether it be a boyfriend, girlfriend, friends, whatever the case is, we are going to worship that. So when we focus our lives on Jesus, then we're turning back to what we were originally created for. So if we are natural worshipers and we're made to worship, then we've got to see what is worship. And so we're going to look at just a, a few different truths of what worship is that you'll be able to follow along in your notes. So here's the first one. Worship is focusing on and responding to God. Worship is focusing on and responding to God. So there's two different just passages I want us to look at. Uh, first one is in John chapter 20, verse 28. And so this is uh, right after right after uh, Jesus resurrected out of the grave, but he hasn't ascended back up into heaven yet, and all the disciples are just terrified in the upper room. And this is where we have what people call, quote-unquote, doubting Thomas. And so Jesus comes and reveals himself to Thomas. And he's like, hey, look at my side. Look at the scars in my hands. And we see this in John 20, verse 28, where Thomas answers him, my Lord and my God. So he's focusing on Jesus. He sees this and he can't help but respond to it. Like, my Lord and my God. Like, this is amazing. Or in Revelation, we're going to look at Revelation 4 and Revelation 5. So in Revelation 4, we see just two different pictures of two different groups just worshiping God. So in Revelation 4, 8 through 11, it says this. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night... Day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns down before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created so we see the living creatures and we see the elders they're worshiping god it says the living creatures all the day long day and night they never stop saying holy 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 is the lord god almighty they're solely focusing on christ and as they're focusing on christ all they can say is he is holy or the elders they can't help but cast down their crowns what is most important to them before christ in worshiping him or in Revelation 5, just a chapter over, in verses 12 through 13, it says, Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven 
and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them, saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. So we just see even in Revelation that, that these creatures, they're worshiping God. They're saying he is worthy of everything. So to worship God means to ascribe the proper worth to God. So we magnify the worthiness of his praise. So we approach him and we address him as worthy, just like the creatures did in Revelation, the elders did in Revelation, just like Thomas did in John, where it says, my Lord and my God. So the more we focus on God, the more we understand and appreciate his infinite worth. And as we appreciate this, we can't help but respond. So a way to help us kind of understand this of where we are so overwhelmed that we can't help but respond is anybody ever been to like, let's say, a waterfall, let's say the Grand Canyon. Uh, I know some of you went to the Grand Tetons. Like you were at such like a breathtaking sunset that you were in some beautiful place of nature. They can't help but go, wow. Anybody ever been there before? Like you were just so overwhelmed that you were just like, this is incredible. They can't help but at least say audibly say something. Is it's kind of like that. We're just so overwhelmed with how amazing something is that we can't help but respond to it. And so that is us when we respond to Christ is we're so overwhelmed, but he is so holy and so amazing and so incredible that we can't help but say, wow, or sing songs. Uh, two that I think cool is this is one. Um, so this is uh, at a Nashville Predators game I went to in October before COVID and all the craziness hit. And it was so loud and so incredible. And it was my first ever national hockey game that I've ever been to. And I couldn't help but just get caught up and just cheer and be like, wow, this is amazing. I went out and bought just a hoodie like the next day because I was just, it was so incredible. And I'm like, I can't help but respond to how overwhelming and a joyful experience this was. Or another one, this is actually from a cathedral uh, in Montreal. It was uh, one of the last mission trips I went on with uh, my last church that I was on staff at. And so this is, I mean, it's a gigantic cathedral that you walk up to. I mean, this is just part of the room. There was still even more space in it. And it was all the architecture and everything. It was so huge that I couldn't help but go, whoa, like this is so much. This is so much going on. And so because it was a lot to take in, I couldn't help but respond. And so what we see as worship is we cannot encounter the worthiness of God without the response of worship. So we cannot encounter the worthiness of God without the response of worship. Is that the more and more we see how amazing God is, the more and more we see how just incredible Christ is and what he did, the more we see attributes of God, the more we can't help but just worship him by saying amen or wow or singing a song or just it's lived out in our lives that we can't help but respond to this. Because again, worship is focusing on and responding to God. And so we are to respond to what he has revealed to us. So how does this invisible God reveal himself to us here so that we might focus on him? So there's three ways that God reveals himself to us that we can respond to. So we've already talked about one, and that is through creation. Through creation. That God has revealed himself through just what he's created around us. So we see in Romans 1, verse 20, it says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, has been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Meaning that when we look at all the world around us, we are without excuse that there's not a God. When we look at everything around us, we say they, we can't help but believe that there is at least a God that created all of this. So God has revealed himself through creation. The next place, God has revealed himself through scripture. 
So we talked about this two weeks ago about just scripture and how scripture is divinely inspired. Meaning all of Scripture has been inspired by God and is profitable just for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for equipping us, for training ourselves up in godliness and righteousness. And so God has revealed himself, who he is, his plan of salvation, his plan of redemption. He's revealed all of that through Scripture. So that's the second way. The third way is through Jesus himself. And so just as he revealed himself through Scripture, through his word, Jesus Christ is the word made flesh. That's what we see in John 1, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Or in John 1, 14, that He has revealed His glory through Christ. So God has revealed Himself through nature, through creation, through His inspired Word, and through His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. So He has revealed Himself in all three of these ways, and when we study these and focus on these, we can't help but respond in each one of these ways. So all worship of God, whether it is public like we're doing here, whether it's private in your own homes, or whether it's family when you're around other family, should be based upon and include much of the Bible. Because again, it's an inspired word. That's why when we gather on Sunday mornings, that's why we are, our sole purpose is, a big part of it is gathering around the preaching of God's word. We want to know what does God have to say? Not what Pastor Kenneth has to say. But what does God have to say? That's why we gather on Wednesday nights here and study the Bible together. I don't want you to care about what I have to say. I want you to care about what God has to say in his word because he's revealed himself through that. That is what transforms people, not my words. I could babble all day long and it won't do anything. And you'll probably get bored anyway. And so that's why we gather on studying his word. That's why we talked about Bible intake two weeks ago as the very first discipline because it is so important for us to grow together in that. And so, again, we respond to what God has revealed. And so here's what we're going to see next, this next truth. So if that's the case, if we focus on what God has revealed, and that's what we're responding to, if there's little revelation of God, then there's little focus of God. And so if there's little focus of God, then there's little worship of God. Okay? So if there's little revelation of God, so if we're not not focusing on what God has revealed through nature, through creation, through Scripture, through the Bible, or through Jesus Christ, through His Son... If we're not focusing on that, then there'll be little focus on anything, because that's what true worship is. And if we're not focusing on any one of those three areas, then there's very little true worship happening. So we've got to focus on God. That is what we focus on. We have to focus on Him and respond to that. Because if we are not thinking about God, then we're not worshiping God. Because again, uh, worship is focusing on and responding to God. So that's the first thing of what worship is. Second thing of what worship is. Worship is done in spirit and truth. So it's done in spirit and truth. So in John 14, uh, verse 17, we see what Jesus is like. He's about to talk about promising the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming upon us. And this is what he says in verse 14. Uh, Or sorry, verse 17, chapter 14. Where it says, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So we need to know this. If we're going to worship God in spirit and in truth, then we need to have the one within us who is the spirit of truth, which is the Holy Spirit. So the only way we can worship him in spirit and in truth is to have the Holy Spirit and dwell within us. And the only way we can have the Holy Spirit within us is if we have repented of our sins and believed in Jesus. And so that is the only way we're going to be able to have true, authentic worship. 
is if the Holy Spirit's living within us. But two, we got to make sure that, that, that we're truly wholeheartedly worshiping God. Because how many of us have ever just been on a Sunday morning and maybe we're singing it, but we're really not caring at all about what we're singing about or what we're thinking about. And so what we got to, what we got to, I've been guilty of that before. And so what we got to know is this, if it isn't sincere, then it isn't worship. It is hypocrisy. If it isn't sincere, then it isn't worship. It's hypocrisy. It has to be sincere of us just truly worshiping God. Is that we got we to gotta think about what we're singing about. We got to think, what does it mean? We think about his mercy is more. Or we got to come back to the heart of worship. That, that if we removed everything in the sanctuary, so if we removed the sound system, if we removed any sort of lights or projectors or anything else, and it was really just a guitar, maybe piano, and we're just singing songs, would we still give it our all on that? If maybe the quote-unquote production wasn't all that good, would we still worship God? Is that it shouldn't be about the production, it shouldn't be about all that's going on, it should be about what the truth of the matter is, that we're worshiping Jesus above everything else. And that'll be sincere when it overflows from that. So we got to worship him in truth. And so if we're going to worship God in truth, then that truth is going to come from Scripture. That that is his divine truth that he's revealed to us. So we want to worship him in truth. So one of the ways we worship him in truth is we reveal or we worship God as he has revealed himself in the Bible. Not how we want him to reveal himself in the Bible or not our own, let's say, conceived image of him in our minds or how we want God to be in our minds. It's who has God revealed himself to be in Scripture. That is how we worship him. Another way we worship God is in ways in which he has given us approval in Scripture. Is that is another way we worship him. So we worship him in truth. But again, we don't want to focus solely on truth. There's no emotions behind it either. Because honestly, if we're truly focusing on the truth, that should stir our emotions within us. That if we're saying, wow, like God has saved us. Or like his mercy is more. That like my sins could be incredible and a mile high. But it says his mercy is even higher and even greater and even deeper than that is that should stir our emotions within us. But unless the heart is plugged in, unless our heart is truly plugged into worship, then there's going to be no electricity for worship. That, that we have to be plugged in. That I have to have emotions behind this. I, I love this quote by John Piper. John Piper says this, where feelings for God are dead, worship is dead. So where feelings for God are dead, worship is dead. Because when we study scripture, when we, when we study how God has revealed himself, it should stir our emotions because of the truth that we're seeing. But again, there's some dangers of focusing too much on worshiping in spirit or too much in truth. So the first one is if we have too much spirit, then it's going to be mushy. So what I mean is that we're just focusing so on emotions and we're just, oh man, worship was really good. Well, why? Well, because I really felt it and just, I was so emotional about it and I was crying. Not saying there isn't any like the truth to that but if we're just focusing so much on how the music makes us feel and we're focusing so much on the spirit and just how we feel then what we're going to do is we're going to want to have another another experience like that is that okay then the next time the next time let's say next sunday we sing and i just i didn't cry or didn't feel it well i guess worship wasn't all that good today is if we focus so much on spirit, so much on emotions, then we're just going to try to go from experience to experience only to make sure it just drums up our emotions. But also, though, if we focus too much on truth, we're going to be mechanical. We'll be mechanical. 
Which means we're just so focused on truth that we're just so rigid and wooden and just that's it. That we can't show emotion. We just focus solely on truth. But that, that shouldn't be the case. It should be balanced between the two. It should be we're studying truth, we're focusing on truth, and because of that, then that stirs our emotions. Because, again, our emotions are not a bad thing. God gave us emotions to express. We want to make sure we're also filtering that through the truth of Scripture. And we have that beautiful, healthy balance, and worship is just incredible. Because worship, when we're worshiping on a Sunday morning, it might not mean that our emotions are going just all over the place. It could just be like, wow, we're focusing on just the truth of what's going on, the truth of what we're singing about. And that's incredible. That could be, we're singing about, let's say God is our living hope, or that Jesus has paid it all, that we just focusing on the truth of that. And we're like, that is incredible that we get to worship. So worship is done in spirit and in truth. The third reality is this. Worship is expected both publicly and privately. So worship is expected both publicly and privately. So the one verse I want us to look at for this is in Hebrews 10, verses 24 through 25, where it says this. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And then in verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So as we see in Hebrews 10.25, it says, meeting together. So God expects his people, excuse me, to participate in regularly worship gatherings with other believers. Again, warning specifically, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some people. So when it says to meet together, that is undeniably meaning to gather in the physical presence of other believers. Just like we're doing right now tonight, just like we can do on Sunday morning, just like we do on Sunday nights, that we are physically gathering together on other believers. So the core of discipline of worship involves developing the habit of faithfully assembling with other Christians where the primary purpose is to worship God. That's why we gather together tonight here. That's why we gather together on Sunday mornings is we want to worship God. The truth that God reveals through just the songs we sing, through the preaching of his word, that we're gathering together and we're worshiping God together on that. Because again, the church of Jesus Christ is not a collection of isolationists. There's no lone rangers when it comes to Christianity. And so the New Testament actually describes the church as a few different things that you see uh, on your notes. Here's just a few. He describes himself as a flock. That the church is a flock. That we're a flock of sheep gathering together to worship our shepherd, Jesus. That the church is a body, as it says in 1 Corinthians 12. In fact, that's what we have on our back wall in 1 Corinthians 12, 26 and 27. It says that you are individual members of this body. So body means that, that we need all the parts working together. In Ephesians 2, 21, it talks about how the, that the church is a structure. Or in Ephesians 2.19, that the church is a household. So we see in all these different ways that, that there's no way we can do Christianity on our own. There's no way we can worship Jesus on our own. And that's an important part, but we cannot neglect physically gathering together with other Christians and growing together in a local body. That's why it's so important for us to gather on Sunday mornings here at Las Casas Baptist Church, that we're worshiping together as a family. Now also, there's just an element of worship in the Christian life that can never be experienced 
just in private worship or just by watching, watching worship online. There's just some graces and blessings that our Father gives only when we meet together with other believers in our family here at Las Casas. So there's just some things like, here's just another example that not exactly when it comes to church, when it comes to other things maybe that we can think about that, that might make it mean more when we gather together. So like we kind of showed all those different like sporting events. How often have we seen a sporting event on TV where like, man, I can only imagine being in person in that stadium, how loud the crowd is and just experiencing that with other fans. Like some of us see them and I can only imagine being there for it. Or maybe just like we might see like a sunset or a mountain range or a waterfall <clears throat> on TV. And we go, I mean, that's pretty, but I can only imagine, let's say, going with other friends or family members and experiencing that together in person. Or maybe you just see like a play or a musical or something on TV. And you say, that's great, but I can only imagine, let's say, going to Broadway itself and experiencing just that in person. Hearing those people hit those beautiful notes and see those lines, that beautiful acting in front of me, that it's just a different experience when we gather together than when we just watch online by ourselves. It's just a totally unique experience. Or just imagine, let's say you say you're part of a sports team, but you just never go to any of the practices. You're going to miss out on so much with that. Or, or maybe that you just don't hang out with them outside of practices or anything else. Or imagine you say you're part of a family, but you never go to any family get-togethers. You don't text people. You don't call people. You might see your family twice a year, and that might be on Thanksgiving and Christmas, and that's it. But you don't see them the rest of the year. You're going to miss out on so much. But unfortunately, so many people, that's how they'll treat worship. It's all right, I'll go on Easter and I'll go on Christmas, but then outside of that, I'll see you. And they miss out on so many blessings. We physically get to gather together as just the family that Christ has called us to be. But at the same time, just as it's important for public worship and us to not neglect gathering together, I also don't want us just to supplant or just think if we gather on Sunday that we don't do anything else the rest of the week. So we have to balance the two. Just like we balance spirit and truth, we have to balance public worship and private worship, where it's not, it's not an either or, it is both and. That we must worship them publicly and privately. So no matter how fulfilling or efficient our regular public worship celebration seems, there are also experiences with God that he gives us only in our private worship of him. So some of the private worship we have is through the last two weeks we've talked about is when we read our Bibles, we spend time in our Bibles, we spend time in prayer together. We even saw last week in prayer that Jesus went away to be in prayer and spend time in communion with God. And so here's the thing, God expects us to worship privately so he can bless us. God expects us to worship privately so he can bless us. Is that we worship him privately. We gather together, we gather with just God. Let's say our Bibles and him, no one else. That there's just a special experience with that too. That there might be times where you just, it could be whether it's just at a table in your kitchen. It could be in your bedroom at night. Whatever the case is that you've chosen of when you read your Bibles and pray and everything else, there's just times where it's just a special experience with you and God, where you're studying his word and just the Holy Spirit uses that to just encourage your hearts. That it could be you read a passage of scripture that just is encouraging in the moment that you really need it. Or you are just praying and you're listening from God too and he just, he just works in your soul in that moment that is just so precious. When we, don't, when we don't worship God privately, when we don't gather and meet with God privately, we minimize our joy when we neglect to daily worship God. 
Because here's why we need to balance public worship and private worship. Here's the important part. Public worship on Sunday should be an overflow of private worship from the entire week. Public worship on Sunday should be an overflow of private worship from the entire week. So it's not that, we, let's say, we go on Sunday morning and we just let that fill us up and have, we just run on that for the rest of the week. No, it's every single day. is Monday through Saturday. We're spending that time alone with God. And we have that special experience together and grow in our relationship with there. And that just overflows into Sunday morning. We have to gather together with other believers and other brothers and sisters in Christ who have been doing the same thing throughout the week. And we get to say, how awesome is our God? Whether we're in a valley low or a mountain high, whether it's just it's, we're in a great time or a terrible time, we get to worship God together. And that is such a powerful thing. That we balance those two. It just makes Sunday morning just so much more incredible when you get to gather together with other people. There's this quote that, that Donald Whitney has in his book called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life um, that I, I'll be honest, was really convicting to me when I read this and I said the same thing to Aaron. Aaron's like, whoo, preach. And so here's what he says. How can we worship God publicly once each week when we do not care to worship him privately throughout the week? Can we expect the flames of our worship of God to burn brightly in public on the Lord's Day when they barely flicker for him in secret? on other days so that if we're not even trying to light that flame in private every single day then how can we expect all of a sudden on Sunday morning we just flip a switch and all of a sudden it's burning brightly it's the thing we have to cultivate and work on every single day and so God expects us to worship publicly and privately and just as I said now the last one worship is a discipline to be cultivated Worship is a discipline to be cultivated. So like I said, in Matthew 4.10, that's when Jesus says that you shall worship the Lord your God. And so to worship God throughout a lifetime, it requires discipline. Just like any of these other disciplines we've talked about, we want you to be able to pick it up tomorrow and just be incredible at it. Just like if you want to run a marathon, you're not going to be able to just go from your couch to the starting line and do great. You're going to stumble pretty badly. Is that you need to train yourself up. You need to work up to it. That you might not start out by running a full marathon. You might start out by just taking a lap around the house. Hey, it's more than what you did before. That's a start. It has to be something we cultivate all the time. Because without discipline, our worship of God will be thin and inconsistent. When we cultivate that, we make time for that every single day. Then we start working on that every single day. We'll build that up over time. Because here's what we got to see. Worship is not produced, but evoked. So worship is not produced, it's evoked. So what I mean by that is, here's just a perfect example of what we could do on Sunday morning. We always say, hey, good to see you. Good morning. How you doing? Good. Doing all right? Yeah, good. Just so blessed. Even though I might have just fought with my sibling right before this, or we were fighting to get into the bathroom so we can get ready. Or I'm already having a terrible day because of school or anything else. Or I'm going through a whole lot right now, but I don't want anybody to know, so I'm going to put a smile on. But then we try to produce something. When it's not something we produce. It's something that's evoked within us. It's, it's something that stirs within us. 
Worship is not something that we can just put in just on our man-made effort. It's not something we just do in our, but it's when the Spirit works within us through studying His Word and just through the truth we study that it just stirs our emotions within us. That we can't help but sing to Him. We can't help but pour out our hearts, whether it's just in grief or joy. That it's not something we can just produce, but it's just evoked in us through the Holy Spirit, working through creation, working through, the, uh, working through Scripture, and working through Christ. It's a heart that responds just to the beauty and the glory and the lore of the object of our mental focus, which is the holy God, which is Jesus Christ himself. Because worship is both an end and a means. Worship is both an end and a means. So an end, what it means by an end, it's to focus on and respond to God. So that's the end part of worship, is to focus on and respond to God. But then there's the means of worship. And the means of worship, it is, it's a means to godliness. It helps us grow more in our relationship with Christ. Because the worship of God makes believers more godly because people become like their focus. Because here as we see this truth, we emulate what we think about. We emulate what we think about. Or another way I've heard it described is, is we become what we behold. So what we, what we figure most important in our lives, what we think is most important, what we think about the most, that is slowly what we will become. So here's a negative example of that in Scripture. So in, in Psalm 115, verses 4 through 8, we see this. It says, Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see, they have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell they have hands but do not feel feet but do not walk and they do not make a sound in their throat those who make them become like them so do all who trust in them so whatever we think about the most we'll start to become like that so we've let's say focus on so much on social media and what people think about it us and our public image that we might focus on that. Okay, we got to keep up with whatever the latest trend is. We have to make sure we look the best and sound the best and act the best and talk the best. We'll become so focused on that. What people are wearing, how people are acting. Or we focus so much, let's say, on a relationship that we start to dress like them, talk like them, act like them. Or in a brighter, we focus so much on Christ and he is our sole focus that we're looking to him is that we'll we'll start acting like jesus talking like jesus living like jesus not saying that we are jesus but becoming like the one that we are following so focusing on the world more than the lord makes us more worldly than godly but if we would be godly then we must focus on god because godliness requires disciplined worship it's hard for us because we're just in a society that just we're constantly plugged in we're constantly on our smartphones we're constantly surrounded by all this that we have to make time where we're focusing on god and not anything else so that's what worship is but more importantly that okay how do we worship so practically how do we cultivate this discipline of worship and so here is just a few practical ways you don't have to do all these ways these are just ways that you can implement in your own life however that may apply so the first one is just spend time in nature so we talked about God reveals himself through creation. Is that we live in the country. There might be plenty of places around here. We can spend time in nature. Go on a hike. Let's say go see a sunset or a sunrise. Maybe when it's just a clear night, you just stare up at the stars. And you just see how beautiful, just how vast and amazing it is. You're just like, wow, this is incredible. Some of you, you could just go fishing. And just as crazy as you can go fishing and just think like, man, God created all of this. 
And we get to participate in just enjoying this of what God created. You can go camping. You could be around wildlife or different farm animals or anything else. Just spend time in nature. That times we just spend time in nature, that can just be so calming, can't it? And just so soothing. We're just spending time in nature instead of just the hustle and bustle of city and everything else. We just step away from all the fast track of life and just spend time in nature and slow down. That could be one way we worship and just think about how God created all of this. Just the, the systems in place to even make this possible. How we're able to stare up at the stars and think, wow, like the earth is perfectly enough away that, that life is able to be here because God fine-tuned it that way. Another way, spend time in Scripture. Spend time in Scripture. Again, he's revealed himself through Scripture. And again, not just read it just for reading its sake or checking a box, but spend time thinking deeply about it that you pray through the scripture. So we talked about, let's say, that SOAP method, how one of them was, oh, the observations, is maybe you pray through the observations that points to Jesus. So we just spend time in scripture, and we just think about that. Another way, spend time in prayer. That we just spend time in prayer, that we maybe pray through the A. We talked about, let's say, the ACTS method, the acronym ACTS, how A stood for adoration. So we just pray just how we adore God, of all his attributes and how incredible that he is. We just spend time thinking about maybe what God has done in our lives or what he's done in the lives of other people. Maybe we think about how God has saved us. We're praying through that. So we spend time in prayer. Next one, spend time listening to Christian music. And this might sound awkward or weird, like, or kind of a duh statement because we talk about how that's what we sing. We sing songs. But, but not just sing it, but truly listening to it. Like, what are the lyrics that they're singing? Are they just trying to stir up my emotions? Are they, truly, are they truly preaching what God's word truly says? Is it rooted in scripture? We truly think about what they're singing. And so here's some examples, just some examples that I would recommend for you to listen to. Sovereign Grace Music, uh, City of Light, Shane and Shane, Maverick City Music, Austin Stone Worship. These are just some that, that I would trust their music just to sit through and listen to and just, just meditate on and think about. Another way, as, as silly sounds, is that LSM, we have a Spotify playlist for worship that you can follow, you can listen to, things of that nature of just songs that we add that normally we'll play on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Just great songs for us just think about and focus on God that hopefully points our attention to God. So spend time listening to Christian music. Next one is write out attributes of God from A to Z. Write out attributes of God from A to Z. So let me kind of explain what I mean by this. Is what you do is you just start with letter A and you just write out any attribute of God you can think of that starts with letter A. So you say, okay, God is all powerful. There's an A. He is all knowing. That's another A. And you just keep going on. Okay, next, B. What are attributes of God that start with B? And you go through that. Then C. And you go all the way, let's say, to Z. Okay, God is a zealous God. So you just start from A and go all the way to Z. And it just makes you think, okay, what are attributes of God? What are just ways that God has shown himself? And it just makes you really think. And you're like, wow, God is so many things. And it's incredible. And lastly, just write out your testimony. Write out your testimony. So think about this. Just write out who you were before God saved you. Like, just think about what your life was before you encountered Christ. Like, what were some of the sins you were living in? What were some of the things you were doing? What were some of the ways that you were just not honoring God? But then also write out what led you to being saved. What were the circumstances like? What was that moment like when you, when you repented and believed in Christ and became a Christian? You were brought from spiritual death to spiritual life. 
Just, just think about writing that. Or last one, write out just how from now, since that moment, how God has been working in you, what God has done in your life, and who you are now. Or just different ways that God has been working on you or different ways God is working on you right now. That of course, you might not still have gotten rid of all the sins that you, sin habits, but God's still working on you. You just write out your testimony. Think, wow, like God has saved me from so much and has saved me from so much more. You just write out your testimony. That's another way that we can worship God. Because again, worship is just us focusing all of our attention, all of our energy on God. And the more we focus on that, the more we become like God. And we want to live for Him. And it'll just naturally overflow out of our lives as we go about our days. As we're going to school, as we're going to work, as we're going back home, as we're working on homework, as we're playing different sports, as we're acting in different things or singing different things. That we're just so focused on God, it just naturally spills out of our lives into everything that we do. But again, it's something we have to cultivate every single day. We do it. It just helps us become so much more like God. And there's just such a joy that overflows out of it. And so that, that is just the importance of just the spiritual discipline of worship. So let's enter into just to a different time of worship where we'll pray and then we'll be dismissed. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for today. Uh, we thank you that we get to worship you. We thank you that the only reason we're able to worship is because of Christ and his just death on the cross. We thank you that Christ has just paid the penalty for all of our sins for all of time. And we thank you that because of him, we can come before you. We can enter into the Holy of Holies, come before you. And we're able to sing praises to you. We're able to live for you. We just thank you so much for that. So Lord, would you help every single one of us cultivate just this worship in our lives? Would you help us just continue to focus more on Christ and less on the world? Would you help us just focus more on what Christ has done for us? And how amazing it is, and help us become more like Him as you've called us to be. Which help us spend more time in Scripture, more time in prayer, just different ways that we can think about you. Help us just gather privately, just between you and our Bibles, and we just pray to you and study that together. And would you help us be able to gather together on Sunday mornings, not neglecting that, and worship together with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Would you help us with this? It is only by your grace we can even implement any of these disciplines and work on these. So would you help us even this week start implementing this so you can help us become even more of the followers of Christ you've called us to be and grow more in godliness Become more of the family of God you've called us to be here at Las Casas Baptist Church and even here at Las Casas Student Ministry. And which help us continue through all of that as we worship you, focus on you, and that overflows out of our lives and we become more like you than as we're going to these different places, to school and work and neighborhoods, that we, as our ultimate goal, we can continue to make Christ's name known. We pray all of this in Christ's holy, precious name. Amen.